This episode of Tales from the Backlog is brought to you by the wonderful patrons of the Tube Podcast Network. Some personal heroes of mine, like Chris Nelson, the top three podcast crew, Zolgeek, Eric Guess, Rick Firestone, Nick Ficori, Jill, Soccer, ZNA, Cupcake, Kyle, Christian S., Matt, aka Stormageddon, JD, Doug Leaf, Jason Emery, Rob Shack, Brian Skersha, Randall, and many more have all chosen to support the show by going to patreon.com slash realdavejackson and kicking a few bucks per month. I appreciate the support very much, and in return for these generous donations, these fine people are getting some bonus episodes of Tales from the Backlog, voting on what games I do on the show, including this game today, Wario World, was the winner of one of such polls. If you'd like to participate again, that's patreon.com slash realdavejackson. Any and all support is always appreciated. And with that being said, let's get to Wario World. Hello everybody, my name is Dave Jackson and you're listening to Tales from the Backlog. This is a video games review podcast where each week I'm joined by a guest to bring a game out of the backlog, play it, and discuss. My guest today is a friend of the show, co-host of the 3DO Experience podcast, and professional garlic salesman, Thrack. Welcome to the show, Thrack. I did not know I was a garlic salesman. You are um, now. That's I, that's the rules. Oh, then <laughs> my 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 stocks must not be doing too well because I haven't <laughs> I haven't kept up with the business. Uh, this is a this is a rough economy. Everyone's everyone's doing what we can. Uh, so getting into the garlic. Don't get me business. started. Don't get me started. <laughs> um, today we're going to talk about Wario World, as was on the title of the podcast you clicked on. But before we get into Wario World, uh, I had Bill, the other host of the Three Do Experience, on the show right when that show first began, when Bill first had the idea for it. Now we're a little bit, you know, time has passed. The show's evolved. You're now a part of the show. Tell everybody about the 3DO experience. Yeah, I, I wormed my way in because <laughs> um, I learned about Bill through the the, ba- the Tales of the Backlog Discord, mm-hmm. and he sent me an invite to it, and I was looking through the channels, and I saw 3DO experience. I'm like, what the heck is that? And he said, oh, it's just this like little podcast I was doing about the 3DO, but like, I don't know if I want to bring it back, but I'm not sure what to do. And I literally told him like, I'll co-host it with you. Let's just do it. I kind of essentially pushed him to do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we've done it at at the time of recording, but at different from the time of airing. We've only mm-hmm. done a couple of episodes now, but probably by the time this comes out, we'll have a, a decent log of episodes going so um it's been fun like i I bought a 3do been collecting games for it which has been interesting i haven't Mm -hmm. collected games for a system for a little bit i mean i do gba collecting off and on but this is the first time i've gone hard on one particular system but it's been fun it's been interesting to look into an obscure console yeah, obscure is the the name of the game. Like when when Bill told me about it, I was like, I don't know what the fuck a 3DO is, man. You're scaring me right now. So he explained it to me. I, I listened to the um, you know, like we said at the time of recording, you guys just rebooted it. I listened to the first episode that you put out, kind of the you know, Thrack, welcome to the show, and also let's just shoot the shit about the 3DO. So um, for people who are interested in a more obscure and forgotten uh, console. 
the 3DO experience is going to be your one-stop shop for all that stuff. Absolutely. And also there will be tangents because as some of you, if you haven't heard me on a novel console or a 3DO uh-huh. or anywhere yet, uh, uh, tangents are a plenty with me. So don't be surprised if in that show I maybe bring up current gaming events or, you know, talk about certain things because it's just kind of what I do, you know, especially being a predominantly Xbox guy. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if there's anything I know about um, about Bill is that whatever you bring up, Bill's got something to say, too, about that, too. So yes. it's going to be a good match. It is. It, it's almost frightening because, like, <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever be able to throw a curveball at him because it's no. it's. When you talk to normies about this stuff, like everything's a curveball, like everything throws them off. But mm. talking with like yeah, Bill or even like Burger Champ, like you 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 try and you you just can't do it. So you just kind of accept that you're the normie in that situation. So right, yeah, I am for sure the normie when talking with Bill or like you said with um, Tales from the Backlog Discord Discord member Burger Champ MVP. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll give the recommendation at the top of the show for everyone. If you're interested in the 3DO learning about, um, a part of gaming history that not very many people are talking about, go ahead and check out the 3DO experience. And there'll be a link down in the show notes for that. Today, we're going to talk about Wario World. Like I said, Wario World is a 3D platformer developed by Treasure and published by Nintendo for the GameCube in 2003. And I want to say at the top of the show, Rookie is fucking going nuts. I don't know if you can hear that in the microphone, but uh, dog content stays in the show if it's coming through. At the top of the show, I want to say that uh, Warrior World was the winner of a Patreon poll for games to uh, appear on the show. Not only was it the winner of that poll, it beat the fuck out of all the other games. There were like... The fuck out of them. It was, it was domination. It was like, it won like 13 to two for the next highest game so patrons of the two what else was in that poll yeah i don't remember but um at this point i don't remember i i gotta go look it up let's see all right here's the poll so the poll was uh wario world won with 11 votes shadow tower abyss got four and then it was a tie for last place between pizza tower and northern journey so 11 four was the next highest vote for an old from software game so patrons this one's for you, Wario World. I got to admit, I don't know, outside of Pizza Tower, I don't know those other two games. Well, Never heard them before. That's fair enough. Um, bet you Bill knows. <laughs> <laughs> He'll um, probably tell us. Yeah. So um, before we get started with Wario World, I do want to say this is a special episode of the show. We're not doing a spoiler section in this episode. Wario World has no story and... Us talking about a boss design I don't think is going to influence your enjoyment of the game or something like that. So no spoiler section today. Just kind of, I don't think it is possible to spoil this game. So um, if someone has not played Wario World, because this seems to be a forgotten GameCube game, uh, we'll do some elevator pitches. So I wrote down, uh, if you like the Wario Land games on Game Boy, which of course you do, they're great. Here's how they translate to 3D with uh, a little bit more combat, we'll say. What would you say? Basically, I said if Wario Land was a 3D beat-em-up. Yeah. That, that's about <laughs> as simple as it gets. You are constantly punching stuff in this game. Because I find it, I just find it so strange Wario got a 3D game before like more popular figures like Kirby or Yoshi. 
you know, like Kirby didn't get his 3D blow up, glow up until Forgotten Land not that long ago, and mm-hmm. Yoshi still hasn't got it. And those That's two true. characters, I would assume, are more popular than Wario, but maybe it was just that like Wario was riding kind of high at the time. Yeah, I think this was um, around the time that WarioWare first came out, because there's like link functionality between yes. this game and WarioWare, so it could be they were just like, it's all all Wario all the time. Yeah, so this is not a long game. Uh, if you're thinking about playing it, it took me six hours to play. Um, I was streaming the entire playthrough, but not a very long game. Six hours for me. Uh, I did not 100% it six hours just to to beat it. How about you, Threk? Well, I did 100% it, and it may have taken me five hours. I didn't really keep track. Unless yeah. like the game keeps track for me, I tend not to bother with that stuff. But yeah. As far as I know, 100%ing it is just um, getting all of the collectibles in each level, mm-hmm. which except for the very last level, I didn't have any issue with that. I found everything basically on my own, just kind of roaming about. Yeah, It was the very last level, the one where you're climbing the pyramid, where there was a mm-hmm. couple that I actually needed a like a video walkthrough for. Gotcha. Um, so I didn't find it too difficult to 100%. I'm not a completionist at all. Um, it, it it depends on the game, you know, like yeah. I'll do like I'll do all the moons in Mario Odyssey, but then like other games, I just won't bother at all. So, yeah, I am never a completionist. I don't remember the last time I 100 percent in a game. I've never gotten a platinum trophy, stuff like that. So uh, still took me longer than you, though, at least I know because Twitch keeps track of how long the streams go. So let's uh, let's backtrack a little bit. Let's let's talk personal histories. When did you first play this game? And when you first played it, what was it that made you want to play it? Well, that's a good thing you metrics. I was going to say, I, I do have more experience probably than you because yeah. I had this game at the time. Mm-hmm. I remember um, I got my GameCube about 2002, 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, funnily enough, that year, my parents were like, oh, what do you want for Christmas? And we had a Sega Genesis and the NES in the house. And I liked the Genesis a lot more. I've always been more of a Sega guy. And I said, oh, can I get the newest Sega console? And they didn't have the heart to tell me the situation. They just said, Sega doesn't make consoles anymore. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It was, member 0203. Uh-huh. Um, so I was just like, uh, give me the Nintendo one. Sure, the, the GameCube. And, mm-hmm. then, um, and then I got it. And I remember I had this one pretty early on. And I don't really understand what my mindset was at the time when it came to getting GameCube games because mine came with the Zelda collector's edition. Uh So like I played those games, couldn't, didn't really care for them, but the wind waker demo I loved, but yet I never bought wind waker till many years later. And then like say sunshine, I didn't get till years later, but yet Wario world was in my collection the whole time. (laughs) Like over Mario, over Zelda, over Metroid, over uh-huh. even Kirby Air Ride, you know, which I'm not a big fan of that game. But like, it's just, I, d- I don't know why I got this one. Maybe it was, I can't remember if it was like a gift or if I like went out of my way to say that one. Maybe it was one of the many games I rented back in the day because mm-hmm. I used to go to, you, you might remember Family Video. I used to oh, go yeah, there a lot. Yeah, I went there every week. And it could have been one of the games I rented. I don't remember how I got it. I genuinely don't. But I was, you know, a kid. But I had it. I played it a lot. And I was terrible at it. 
because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Yeah. And <laughs> and it got so bad that there was a point where I actually ended up selling it off because I went through a little period of GameCube collecting like mm-hmm. 10 years ago when those games weren't expensive at all. I had probably over half the GameCube's library. And do I regret selling most of those? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them was Wario World. But I ended up getting it back for a undisclosed amount. Uh-huh. And then when I got it back, I was like, let me try this game. Because I remember it being difficult as a kid. And I beat it in one sitting yeah. back in like 20, when I get this game again, like 2018, I think. Uh-huh. And, I, and I was so disappointed in myself thinking it was so difficult. But, uh, you know, can I be mad at nine-year-old me for not being able to beat a game? Exactly. Oh. There's There's been plenty of games like that where I thought it was hard when I was a kid and went back as an adult. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's... You know, I'm an adult now. This is much easier than when I was a child. Um, yeah. So for me with this game, I had a GameCube. It was my favorite console that we had at the time. And I loved uh, basically all of the hits for GameCube. I either rented or bought or, you know, asked for for my birthday or however the fuck I got games when I was like, what would have been 15 um, when this game came out. But I had never heard of this game. Not that I didn't play it. I didn't hear about it, which is weird because I love the GameCube and Wario Land 3 and 4 were some of my favorite games for the Game Boy Color and then Game Boy Advance, especially Wario Land 3. I played the fuck out of that game and I never beat that, but I played it so much. So I was a fan. Huh? I prefer 4. Yeah. I mean, I haven't gone back and played 3 recently. I played 4 like last year. It's awesome. was three the one they put on NSO? I th- I think so. I'm not sure. I played a bit of that, and I wasn't too high on it. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> it, it, it's Game Boy. You can't expect every Game Boy game to age well. Right, exactly. Um, so anyway, I, I was a fan of Wario, but I just never heard about this game until I was doing an episode of Tales from the Backlog back in the way early days of the show. I did a GameCube games tier list episode, and... I saw Wario World on the tier list. And I was like, what the fuck is this? There's, there was no Wario game for GameCube. Well, yes, there was. And so it, it just kind of went on my radar as a thing to uh, play someday. So uh, I got around to it because of the uh, Patreon poll. And yeah, I uh, played it to get in some opening thoughts here. Uh, this game's weird as fuck. It's fun. Oh, yeah. But the, the thing that's going to stick with me the most about this game is that it is weird. And it seems like all of the misfit ideas that like would never make it into a Mario game went into this game. It feels like a continuation of the Wario Land games because yeah, the Wario Land way. series also is full of very interesting ideas and like especially in the enemies and the boss designs are very creative. Yeah. And it's like they let Nintendo let R&D 1 kind of go nuts with like the designs and Wario World just feels like an extension of that. But instead of it being developed internally by Nintendo, it was done by Treasure of all yeah. companies. And I find it so fascinating that they did this game. And in fact, when I was rediscovering it, I remember I was like it, having a bit of a treasure phase. Like I played the McDonald's game and everything. And I was looking <laughs> through their, it's actually pretty good. And I went through their game <laughs> list and it said Wario World. I'm like, oh shit, they made Wario World? And 
playing it now with that sort of mindset that Treasure made it, it still really doesn't fit. Because compare it to, say, Guardian Heroes. I don't know if you've played that or not. No. But Guardian Heroes is, like, one of the best games on the Saturn. It's a fantastic beat-em-up with, like, you know, RPG elements and everything. Really cool. But it plays more like, you know, your standard kind of beat-em-up compared to this, really. Um, and at this time, Treasure was doing, they were doing Ikaruga. They had done Radiant Silver Gun. They were turning into, like, a shmup developer. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it was, like, Nintendo contacted Treasure or Treasure contacted Nintendo. I don't know how they came to make this game. Because you would almost think that it was just R&D 1, like Nintendo being like, make a 3D Wario game. Like, go for it. Because if you think about it, Wario was kind of hot shit at the time. Because you had the Wario Land games essentially taking the mantle from Mario as the 2D platformer Nintendo had. Because I think some people tend to forget that between Mario Land 2 and New Super Mario Brothers, we didn't have an original 2D Mario game. Yeah, they, they put a out a bunch of remakes on the Game Boy Advance, which is, you know, I played all of those and had a good time and eventually yeah. made my way over to the Wario Land series. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good point. Yeah, and the first Wario Land was Super Mario Land 3. It was the title they Yoshi's Island it with the mm-hmm. Super Mario World 2. And yeah, he sort of took over the mantle as the 2D platformer guy for Nintendo and I think it was just they wanted to do something different and have Mario be the focus of the 3D innovation I guess yeah maybe, maybe they were worried about oversaturation I don't really know but but yeah the Wario Land series had developed a pretty solid following in the latter half of the Game Boy's life going into the color and then Wario Land 4 being one of the best platformers on the Game Boy Advance in my opinion mm-hmm. and yep. then right after that you get the explosion of WarioWare, a-, a game that sort of, in my opinion, is a DS game made for the Game Boy Advance, in that it has that DS game design all over it. Yeah, but it was little, made for one screen. A little bit ahead of its time in that way, for sure. Yeah. So, and I think they ported the first one to GameCube. I think the first WarioWare, like that mega, like it's essentially a collection of the games from the Game Boy Advance one, and it's a very Mm. weird thing. So there was a lot of Wario at the time, um, to the point where it it almost feels like a fad, or just like they just (laughs) had like a, they had a Wario (laughs) fling, maybe. The Wario era, yeah. (laughs) It it feels like it, you know, because after Wario Worlds, um, he just became WarioWare, because I think those two games did really well in the Game Boy Advance. Um, In fact, the second one, Twisted, is probably like the best like mini game collection I've ever played in my opinion. It's interesting uh, taking a look here that cause like we had the Wario explosion, but Wario was not in um, smash brothers melee for the GameCube. Wario nope. didn't make it to smash until brawl, which is yeah. uh, odd considering Wario was everywhere else with Nintendo during this time. And when he joined brawl, his main attire was his Wario wear look with the denim and the hat. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the biker hat so um but i think WarioWare kind of propelled him even higher to like almost almost like mainstream level like nintendo character that you could compare with all the other big boys so and then you know there was the shake it game on the wii which was actually pretty solid and then there was that weird game and wario thing for wii u and we've had some WarioWare stuff on switch but as far as like like platformers and more like traditional games with Wario. Like this is kind of like 
in a way, this is sort of like the last big one. I know there's Wireland Shaken on the Wii, but that flew completely under the radar. Because I think that was, what, 2010, 2011? Like, yeah, very never, late. I've never even heard of that game. So, okay. like... E- you should look it even, up. Yeah, well, I don't have a Wii, so not going to happen. Well, like, watch watch some videos of it. Yeah, like, fair enough. Because the, the art style... I, I don't know the company who did it, but it's like hand-drawn 2D animation, and it oh. is gorgeous. Oh, it looks very pretty. Yeah, so this was like effectively the last like big Wario game, I guess, outside of the WarioWare series, uh, which they keep doing that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we'll get into this in more detail after this little music break here, but I, I, I wish that after playing this, I wish that they kind of just got weird with Wario again and put out another game, uh, you know? outside of WarioWare, because that seems like he's relegated to that series now. So we're uh, we're going to take a little music break. When we come back, we'll set up the uh, mostly non-existent story in this game, but also talk about some other story stuff. So in uh, Wario World, you play as Wario. The game begins. um, He's enjoying a new castle that's full of treasures that he's collected. Um, There is a treasure called the Black Jewel. This is all told in a cutscene before the game starts, and then uh, there's no story when you're actually playing the game. So this Black Jewel uh, once fed off of the people's greed and desires until these forest creatures called Spritelings sealed it away. But Wario, being the greedy little pervert that he is, stole the jewel, took it home, and whoops, it escaped, and something happens. I'm not sure if there's a parallel dimension thing going on or if it transforms his castle, but his castle is turned into these four worlds, which will be your levels in the game, called Excitement Central, Spooktastic World, Thrillsville, and Sparkle Land. So uh, as Wario, you need to go through the levels get your treasure back and uh, turn your castle back to normal and rescue the Spritelings if you feel like it. Yeah, I guess I think the the jewel, it just like through its power, it cannot be contained in a chest, you know? Yeah. And then it, it like, maybe the, the laughter of Wario sort of propels it to escape <laughs> and, and be like, you know, who's this, who's this chonky boy trying to claim ownership of me? Get out of here, Bubby, yeah. you know? I'm going to take over your shit. How do you feel? And, exactly. And and he's not happy. So he puts yeah. on his little elf shoes and, and, and does Wario stuff. Yeah, he, he really just gets down to business. I mean, this... And, like, I gave the story set up from that opening cutscene. There is no more story whatsoever until nope. the ending. And the ending is like a 10-second cutscene, basically. Like, you could argue Mario games have more story than oh, this. Oh, absolutely. And, like... The 2D ones, not even the 3D ones. (laughs) I mean, like, sometimes someone will talk to you in a 2D Mario game. And in this game, the Spritelings will talk to you when you find them, but they'll only give you advice about the level that you're in. It's never story stuff. Yeah, like, I think if Wario World was done more modern times, the Spritelings would be your deep lore. 
like your Dark Souls or your Kirby like deep lore that you have to find throughout the game. The Spritelings would have that. You know, they yeah. all have little cutscenes with little flashbacks of everything, and Wario probably just sitting there going, "I do not give a shit." No, Wario that doesn't is Wario. care. Yeah. Yes. And, and that lore that they give you in this hypothetical world would be like, I feel like it would be like deeply fucked up lore because yes. the character designs, the enemy designs, the levels that you go in, they're weird. Uh, they're not, yeah. you're not just like fighting, you know, bats and, um, you know, zombies, mummies and stuff like that. Like you are in the Wario land games. They're really, some of the bosses especially are like demented. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh Yeah. But I, I love the design of it because it is very, it has a very like 2000s sort of look to it overall. Mm-hmm. And it was, because I think it's been said before that the GameCube was Nintendo at its most experimental because it was r- the last time it truly tried to compete power-wise with the other consoles at the time, be it mm-hmm. PS2 and the Xbox. And... So it was trying to throw these kind of fresher ideas out, like launching a game with an ex- launching the console with Luigi's Mansion, which at the time was an experimental move. Like yeah. it's, it was seen as like you know that that's a weird move. And then you had Zelda going the cell shaded route, which was very controversial. You had Metroid went three D. Metroid went first person. You know they they turned Metroid into a first person shooter. You had um. <laughs> Mario going on a, a vacation and <laughs> Kirby trying like a, to do like a Mario Kart kind of thing. You had a real prominent F-Zero game. You had Star Fox going on a Zelda adventure. Like there wasn't a lot of conventional ideas for Nintendo games on the GameCube. And I could only imagine at the time it confusing some people because they probably wanted like say like they wanted Mario 64 too and they didn't get it yeah. or they wanted Ocarina of Time too and they didn't get it. So I think some people maybe were upset by that, but now we put everybody puts the GameCube on a pedestal for those ideas because you go from the from GameCube to Wii and everything becomes almost kind of sanitized. Like it's that Nintendo clean, safe, we're barely taking any chances, we're just doing what we know works. And it's gone, arguably, even to now, the Switch era, where they're starting to dip their toes in experimental stuff, like just little bits, but not too much. Like, I don't think we'll ever get a GameCube-level experimentation from them ever again. And Wario World is sort of the epitome of that, you know? Of that, like, let's go nuts. Yeah, and again, like, this this is not an in-house Nintendo game, but I I feel very, I feel confident Nintendo's not hands-off in the you know how they, ne- they never is. are they, they don't just let people do whatever the hell they want with their um with their properties so no nintendo is very like very strict even with third party companies about stuff like even even like miyamoto with like the franchises he didn't have a hand in like there's a history of like him helping out in like the metroid games which he never mm-hmm. created but yeah. like the the story of him going down the retro during the prime stuff and kicking people out and you know, he, they, they've always been involved because Nintendo wants their experiences as like Nintendo as they can have them, you yeah. know? So the result of all that experimentation is that, you know, 
even though this game doesn't have much of a story, it does have a really weird vibe and atmosphere to it. It's chaotic is the word that I use to describe it. Um, there's always something going on. Like there's no quiet time in this game ever. And for a game that's like four hours, you can't really have a lot of downtime really. Um, yeah. I mean the, the thing to do would be to, I don't know, make, make the levels bigger or something like that and introduce more, you know, quiet time in between encounters or puzzles or platforming challenges. But there's really none of that in this game. So it's all, it's a lot. It's like a, a sensory overload, especially with sounds, music, enemies jumping out on the screen, stuff like that. And I think it, I think it works to its advantage really, because if you had had, you know, bigger worlds, or if you tried to make this game more than what it is, I think it would be, it would hurt because essentially this is yeah like a 3D Wario Land game and the Wario Land games aren't that big or expansive either. No. So trying to do more in like a 3D space cuz that was the issue a lot of designers had around the 3D era was being like, "Hey, let's we can't just do the 2D game in 3D. We have to do more. Look at Sonic, for example. They always were like, we have to do more. And it took some developers, it took them a long time to re to realize you can just do the 2D thing with like the camera behind the character and it's fine. Like it doesn't matter if it's like a short game. If it's good, it's good. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think Warrior World for what it is, is pretty solid. Like yeah. it's not, it's not perfect. It's... It's a game I don't know if I'll ever beat it again. Like at this point, I've beaten it <laughs> twice. But yeah. um, it's definitely, if you want to go hidden gem route with the GameCube, I could put it there. But like if I had to rank like the first party Nintendo games, I would probably put this, I don't know, maybe like B or something, you know? Yeah. I think this game like starts out with a kind of a mission statement for what kind of game it is. Like when you first boot it up, you go into the main menu screen. Wario is like, I think he says like, welcome to Wario world. And then he cackles for like 45 seconds, like this insane laughter going on in the main menu. And it kind of <laughs> sets you up with like, oh, this game's going to be weird and different. <laughs> Wario is such a weird and different character. Like yeah. his, his origin is fascinating to read about if you ever want to do that. Um, and he's like, he's probably the weirdest Nintendo character that they like. Because I think it's 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 almost like a, a badly kept secret that they don't like Waluigi, like at all. I think that's pretty evident. <laughs> Waluigi's been like kept on the bench for a long time now. He's only in like the sports games or the party games. Like that's yeah. all he ever gets. Like by <laughs> Wario World, Waluigi was around. They could have thrown him in there and like <laughs> yeah, maybe like a cutscene or there's no mention of him at all. Even by Wario Land, shake it. He's not even there. And yeah it doesn't make any sense. Like you could do the two player, like swap palette swap if you wanted to, but I, I don't know. Very, very, yeah. very weird. But you know, this ain't a Waluigi appreciation pod or else it'd be like 10 hours long. Not yet. Not yet. It's not. Um, <laughs> speaking of appreciation, uh, I, I mentioned the cackling, the laughter at the beginning. I want to shout out Charles Martinet for providing the voice acting for Wario in this game. Wario gets his little taglines in, you know, Mario Kart and stuff like that. But this is probably the most substantial voice acting that Wario's gotten. Uh, maybe in WarioWare games uh, when they tell you what to do or something like that. 
but I would almost argue ever. Like this is probably the most Martinet has ever voiced Wario in anything. That's what I was. That's what I was guessing. I mean, so Wario has you know the the classic you know noises that the platformer mascots make when they jump or bash or anything like that. But he also yells stuff at the enemies when you fight them. Like if you pick up an enemy and throw them, he'll yell like "Have a rotten day." And <laughs> shit like that. It's yeah. It's real good. Um, it, it for a game again that doesn't have any story. Uh, it lends a lot of personality to at least the character you're playing as because I mean, you kind of made this a uh, this thought come up into my head as you're talking about the other characters uh, that Nintendo has. Wario probably has the strongest personality of most Nintendo first party characters. I, I mean. You want to get yeah. into like Samus's backstory. Sure, Samus has personality, but during the games, Samus is super stoic and composed. Wario's the one, probably the the most brash and personality on full display of all these characters. And this game really, I think, nails yeah. that part. Yeah, the whole like he's the complete opposite of Mario. You know, yeah. and it makes and it makes perfect sense. And yeah. yeah, credit credit to Charles Martinet because that man is like really talented because he voices, he's voiced so many characters for Nintendo, but like the main four, Mario, Luigi, Wario, Waluigi are all him. Mm-hmm. And that man can each four, each of the four have their own very unique voice personality. And if you've ever seen like his like social media stuff or interviews, like he can swap between them on the fly. Like it's nothing. Um, it, it like as a voice actor, he is incredible. And, like, you know, the famous story with Mario, how he just kind of came up with the voice just off the top of his head, you know, and has refined it over the years. And it wouldn't surprise me if Wario, he kind of did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, just yeah. like thought about it for five seconds, just did it. And Nintendo's like, brilliant, cut it, you know? Yeah. It's sort of that spontaneous energy that Martinet kind of brings to these characters. And with Wario, it, it definitely comes out, you know? Mm-hmm. The uh, the other part of the personality I think in this game is the music is really <laughs> really good. Um, I enjoy it a lot. Uh, I want to shout out, of course, like the the music in the levels is great, um, especially the first level. Kind of a if there is a famous song from this game, that would probably be the first level. I the green oh, forest it, something it's like not, that. It, that that's not the famous music. That's from not this. the one. What's the famous one? Is it the hip hop song? It's it's <laughs> the pause. It's the pause screen. Oh, music. the pause screen. Of course, uh, that is yeah. like the thing that's carried this game. Like I've heard that pause theme used so much ever since then. Interesting. I've never heard it outside of this game. Oh, I, Oh, I've heard like meme channels and like other people like use it and reference it all the time. Cause it's sometimes it's annoying when you like pause a game and there's like music going, but warrior world has probably the most infamous pause music ever. Where it's just him going, nah, 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 nah. Like he's just yeah. nang at you with uh-huh. this very weird beat behind it. For a while, too. Oh, it, it goes on forever. And actually, I think <laughs> at a certain like point in the song, if you're still hanging, he'll actually go, sorry. 
Like just in the middle of it, you know, yeah. like he like he apologizes for mocking you, but just does it anyway. <laughs> it almost feels like he's mocking you for pausing the game. Like, how dare you do such a thing? Exactly. And yeah. even as a kid, it threw me off. I'm like, what the well, fucking why would you do this? You know, <laughs> but it adds to the personality, you yeah. know, like in some ways I would compare Wario World to Mario Sunshine in that they're not the most refined games. But they have, there's such a vibe. They have so much personality to them that I think it's why they've maintained some kind of cult memorable status. You this know? one, for sure, like for the people who played it, it's got to stick in your memory for exactly that um, that reason. Because, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't hear anyone talk about this game. When I searched on YouTube, I found like a couple of videos that had, you know, a bunch of views, but it's not like, this isn't one of like the darlings of like the the podcast or YouTube, you know, critique sphere that I I you know, consume so much stuff in. No yeah. one talks about this, but I th- I feel like the people who played it will remember it for stuff like this, stuff like the pause screen music. <laughs> oh god. Uh, Wario yes. pile driving enemies and yelling at them while he's doing it. But yeah, the the rest of the music's really good too. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, like it's it's not like the most memorable stuff, but this time around I was, you know, paying attention to it and I, I quite enjoyed what I was hearing, but again, it's just that, that pause music will just never leave my head. Yeah. I got a shout out in the hub world, uh, that you, where you, you run around between your levels. There is, uh, an extremely like mid nineties hip hop song playing in the hub world. It yeah, does not yeah. fit the game whatsoever. I don't know why it's there, but it's there. It's weird. And I guess this is a chaotic game. Why not? Yeah, because it's Wario. Like, yeah. why not? <laughs> Wario is secretly a hip-hop head. <laughs> <laughs> why, <Wow>, Tang? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's for the children. Oh, yes. Wario is not for the children. <laughs> he looks like he eats children. So, Wario World, we said, is a 3D platformer. Mostly, this, it's, so it's a 3D platformer, but, like, it's kind of weird within 3D platformers, I think, because there's not a whole lot of platforming going on for most of the game. It's more combat and collecting, basically. So, Wario controls in the game, like, kind of a mix of 3D Mario a little bit, you know, Mario 64, Sunshine Era, but then also Wario moves, Uh, like stuff from Wario Land, like a shoulder bash and a butt bounce uh, that's bigger than Mario's, of course. Punching. And um, Wario is obviously a lot less agile than Mario, so you're not backflipping around in this game. You're not even, I don't even think you're, you're doing like the jump, high jump, somersault jump like Mario could do. Wario is pretty ground bound for the most part. Yeah, like the only, like the signature move Wario has is the shoulder tackle. Yeah. Which is like closer to, you know, Wario's personality being, you know, just like this big guy who just runs you over rather than trying to be finessey with all the jumps. And I, but I find it so weird this game is considered a platformer because to me it doesn't feel like a platformer. It feels like a beat-em-up. You're not doing much platforming. It's a, it's a beat-em-up. 
you know, but it, it, it almost, if anything, it's somewhere in the middle between like a platformer and a beat em up. Cause there are, uh, there are, you know, platforming jumping sections yeah. and then there are like essentially like combat arenas where you yeah. have to do like endurance round stuff or, you know, fight bosses and things, which have more of a beat em up style to them than a platformer style. Or actually, maybe the battle, the boss sections are closer to platformers because you have to like find the right way to take the enemy out rather than just beating them up until they die. You know, some of them have, I don't want to say puzzle, but like, you know, you kind of have to figure out certain bosses are trickier than others to figure out, which is closer to like a platform game design than like a beat em up style. Yeah. A lot, this, this is kind of like an extension of the regular enemies that you fight too. The other kind of, famous Wario move from the Wario land games is, you know, you hit an enemy, they kind of fall down into a ball, you pick them up and throw them. And you do that a lot in this game too. You have to pick up enemies and throw them, or uh, you can do circles on the thumbstick to spin around with them. Or my favorite, you can jump up in the air and do an actual pile driver with them, which does huge AOE damage. It, it shoots up like a damaged uh, like cylinder above you as well. It's just like an all-purpose destruction move. They they even have a little uh, symbol in the corner of like the HUD to show you how much like damage it is. Uh-huh. <laughs> I d- I don't think it I don't think it actually means anything. No. I think it's just there to emphasize certain things. But because the pile driver kills basically everything in one hit once it you is, do it, it is ridiculously OP <laughs> that it it almost makes you wonder why they didn't try to build the game more around the pile driver there's some some mini bosses where like that's what you have to do but most of the game is not built around it most of the bosses that's how you beat them you just you make them dizzy pile drive them you're done there's only a couple you don't have to do that with interesting but one thing about warrior world that i noticed was it kind of neuters the shoulder dash the shoulder bash like you barely even need it in the game because in the yep. Wario Land games, that's your main method of like attacking. And also in Wario Land, they, they do the whole thing where it's like, oh, if you want to like attack in the air, you need to start shoulder dashing and then jump. Because if you yeah. jump and shoulder dash, you'll just like butt bounce essentially. Mm-hmm. And in that in this game, that doesn't matter at all. Because if you're like shoulder dashing and then you jump, you'll do this like weird somersault flip, yeah. which in my experience with the game, I never needed it once. I don't know if you ever used it. Only a couple times when I had to like cross a distance quickly. Uh, you know, there's a, there's some like, you know, they'll have like rotating spikes or something like that around. And if, and sometimes they're in like a circle and you have to get through the circle with, you know, timing. And yeah. so that's the only time that was really helpful. Never in regular level stuff. Yeah, but, like, I think Wario moves, like, at a decent pace already. Like, his movement speed is pretty good. His jumping arc is pretty good. Like, I had some depth percept issues with the jumping. Mm -hmm. And that is just, like, it was hard to really tell where I was. But it was only a couple times. But the thing is, it's, like, dying in this game is almost completely pointless. Yeah. (laughs) If if you want to talk about that. Well, yeah, so it kind of ties into your collectibles. And the first collectible is coins uh, that you pick up, and you pick up so many of them. And the kind of weird thing about this game is you only have two things that you can spend coins on. You can spend it to buy garlic to heal you, and you can pay three to 500 coins for a continue when you die. But it doesn't really matter because 
going into like the last level, I had 6,000 coins or something like that. Like you get so many of them that none of this really matters. It's, I think that the game is supposed to be fairly easy. I don't think that's, they're trying to punish you with like, oh, I'm out of coins. Got to go grind for coins. I don't think they wanted that, but it turns out to just be like, you're using your infinite pool of coins to continue if you die. And there's even, I think it's if you push the L button, like Wario just kind of opens his mouth and yeah. just like all the <laughs> coins just suck in there, which I don't want to know what that mouth do, but like, oh my oh God. My God. Yeah, he fucking unhinges his jaw and like vacuums in any ah, coins in the vicinity. Yeah, this again, that's the sound perfect. he makes. And, but if you think about it, the game is slightly ahead of its time with the whole like, if you die, oh, just like, here's, here's just some coins so I can continue. Yeah. If you think about it, it predates Mario when they did that in Mario Odyssey. And everyone was like, oh, in Odyssey, like, thank God they got rid of the lives. It's just like coin based. Mm hmm. And I remember when I was playing it, and then when I went back to play Wario World, I was like, oh yeah, Wario World did this, like, way back then. You know? And, because at this point, games were still kind of using live systems, but, like, continues were becoming, at that point, almost unlimited. Like, like now we've gotten to the point where lives and continues don't matter in a game. If you die, you can just pick right back up. Who cares, right? Mm -hmm. It's not that big a deal. But back then, it was still, we were still kind of moving into that um, still dealing with like lives and everything, but trying to like not break the pace of the story. But it, yeah, it's kind of like it's slightly ahead of its time with that, you know, just spending a couple coins to come back in, which is yeah. which is kind of neat. And then like the all the bottomless pits, they're not <laughs> bottomless, right? They're not. You don't die if you fall in a bottomless pit. Instead, uh, you go to this weird underworld level where there are yeah. these ghost dinosaur heads chasing you around i think they're rhino i think they're rhino heads are they i couldn't decide if they're rhinos or dinosaurs because they have like you know they have like a horn eh, anyway, yeah i think they're rhinos they're they're weird they're fucked up little guys i like them um, they are fucked up yeah um you go down in this this weird like bottom world and they have like a maze of like ledges that are raised out of the water and there's a bunch of boxes and you have to run around and punch the boxes to break them to find a spring so you can jump back up to where the level is. Uh, most of the boxes have bombs in them. So you're scrambling around being chased by these ghost heads. Uh, if you fall in the water, Wario will bounce like, like Mario does in lava uh, and lose coins. And it's, again, chaos when you fall down there. It's running from box to box, punching, trying to find a way out. These ghost heads are chasing you around. You're losing coins. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Sometimes you get lucky and like the first one you punch has the spring and you just go right back up. Yeah. But sometimes. then there are other times where you literally punch every crate until you uh -huh. find the one. <laughs> and it's like the early ones are super easy. No problem. But by the end of the game, like those ledges just get so, so small. Yeah. And you're More having to like. Too. Yeah. And then. You know, I'm just like bouncing like crazy, you know, trying to get all the, all, uh, you know, just trying to get to the box. But like at that point, as you said, you have so many coins, it doesn't really matter. And even if you wanted to farm for coins, it, it won't, it's not going to take you that long. Yeah. The game is just, just giving you coins like it's nothing. So it's giving you stuff all the time. Like I, I said earlier, 
in the show that there there are no quiet moments in this game. So if you're playing every 10 seconds, you're going to find some enemies to fight. You're going to find some treasure. You're going to find a puzzle, some other thing to collect. There's always something uh, going on. Like in a way, this game isn't outdated. Like when you play it, it doesn't feel like it's aged that well and or like aged that badly. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Where I think there's these days, a lot of games that feel very like, ADHD brain minded you know what I mean where shit has to happen all the time this is definitely one of those yes yes which <laughs> might have been why it kept me in as a kid that's true but yeah yeah like I feel like you could give this game to somebody now who's never played it and could probably stick with it because it, it, it like a kid could probably stick with this game you know they'd be very confused the whole time but it's very easy to just to kind of figure it out as you go so and it's very short so I yeah. think most people would just be like, even if you're not a big fan of it, you're like, hey, I'll just knock it out. Yeah, Why I mean, like, not? It's fairly basic as far as platformers go, which also means that if you don't want a huge challenge as far as platforming goes, this is a pretty breezy game to just jump into and collect a bunch of shit and also pile drive some dinosaurs while you're doing that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's It's... It's not a game I would give to somebody who's never played a platformer ever, you know? Like, that's why the Kirby games exist, to sort of give you an idea for what platformers are. Uh-huh. Like, this this is something you give to somebody if, like, you know, you just want to keep them busy for a couple hours, you know? It's it, it's almost the equivalent of, like, like, a Roblox for the GameCube, where it's just like, put this in front of a kid and they'll be fine. They just won't, they won't worry about it. I'm, I, I Maybe that's what my parents did with me, I don't know. Um, we're unlocking created, some stuff here yeah they, they created they create they created a monster as you can see uh, my collection behind me yeah but speaking of um collecting stuff there's there's four other types of things to collect and i want to get your thoughts on this because you did 100 percent the game so like um, a man you um, <laughs> you have to rescue the spritelings they're these little forest things they're kept in cages there's 40 of them total Uh, Whenever you find one, they give you hints for upcoming mini bosses or for the boss of the level, which is cool. I like that as a reward, Um, a reward on top of collecting something because like checking off you collected Spriteling number six out of 40, that does nothing for me at all. But the fact that they give you hints, uh, they'll say, hey, this upcoming boss, it has a weak point um, that looks like this look out for that. And then, you know, you get up to that boss and you have a better idea of what to do. And I appreciate that. Uh, the amount of these that you get also um, determines the ending that you get for the game. I think I got like around 30 of the 40, uh, didn't go out of my way, but one of the things that's cool about the Spritelings is you can hear them when they're nearby, uh, probably before you can see them, you'll hear them crying. So, you know, one's nearby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of all the collectibles, they were the easiest ones to get. I don't okay. think at any point I had to backtrack to get those specifically. Okay. I think there was a couple levels where it's just like I didn't take a specific path, so I missed one. But like I was going back to get other stuff anyway. So yeah, it wasn't too bad. Mm-hmm. Um, though I do have a confession. I never read a single piece of dialogue they had. I just kind of clicked through and kept going. Well, it's maybe you know, it's, it's just because I know the game. It's Wario 
writing. It's not, they're not telling compelling stories about the no. bosses or anything like that. They're just like, Hey man, the boss has like a weak spot on its back. Look out for that. I'll be like, okay, thanks. Yeah. It, it is kind of like old school game design, but I think it works. You know, like if you take the time to read it, if you're not sure, you know, it, I'm sure it would help. Yeah. I mean, this game is so combat heavy that especially the bosses, but the mini bosses too do have unique things about them. So getting a little hint is, you know, helpful for me now, but imagine if I played this when I was 13 or something, it would have been way more helpful back then. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, the other type of collectible uh, that I want to get your thoughts on are these golden statue pieces. They look like little golden snitches when you find them in the levels, uh, kind of floating up in the air with these hummingbird wings. You collect a bunch of these. If you collect all of them in a level, you'll upgrade your health. Uh, yes. And I never did. I never found all of them in a single level. So I went through the whole game with, but maybe I did once because I had four hearts. Yes, because each world has two levels in it. And yeah. if you get all of them, you get half a heart. So okay. I think when you end the game, yeah, you get like, I think like six hearts, I think. Okay. Yeah, like six or seven hearts. Um <laughs> Which, I mean, you know, helps a little bit. You know, you don't spend as much money when you die, or you don't you don't die as many times with it. Yeah. Um, these were, of all the collectibles, these ones were probably the most difficult. Because in the game, when you get to... One thing I like, um, especially if you're trying to get everything, is at the very end of each level, you'll get to that part where you go in, you, um, you know, you butt stomp into the world to get to the boss, right? Yeah, But usually right next to it, there's one of those little weird yellow sticky ball things, right? And it's attached uh -huh. to some balloons. If you hit that and go up, it brings you all the way back to the start of the level. So okay. if you want to go backtrack, that's the best way to do it. Just go there and then you can just go from the beginning and just kind of retrace your steps. Yep. And there was one level where I had to backtrack... I did that so many times. There's, it was the first, it was the one like ice level where you have uh, all like the ice slides and everything. Yeah. That one was such a pain in the ass to get all the collectibles for because a lot of the Wario statue pieces were on the slides and the level is from like a, essentially like a 2D perspective. So when you would slide, but like it was 3D in the slide. So when you'd slide down, it's like, oh, there's like a piece. Let me go back and try to get it. But again, depth perception that I had issues with earlier, I had to redo those slides so many times because I could just never get it exactly right. Mm -hmm. And it we was say it was such a pain. This in the is ass. um, th it's a 3D platformer, but it is in 2D for a lot of the game. Like you can move forward and backward through the levels, but the camera's fixed in like a a side perspective for most of it. For the for the most part, yeah. There yeah. there are some spots where it's like you know, right behind Wario where you're going up vertically. And to me, those sections felt a lot better in terms of using like 3D camera. Because when it's going like almost that 2D way, the only depth you get is like if you go back into the level or in front of yeah. the level. And for the ice slides, it, it really made it difficult because you also slide down those really fast. Yeah, you, you have no time to adjust on those slides. Yeah, so you just kind of have to get lucky. And there were, I think, two pieces in particular that were those slides that were just... Uh, it, it, it was the most frustrating part of the game for me. After that, I was perfectly fine. I kind of just coasted, but... Gotcha. The, I just, I had to bring that up for those statues. 
Yeah, for sure. There's another part that kind of tested depth perception, which is these, um, when you're going through the levels, you'll find these trap doors. And if you butts bounce through the trap doors, you'll go into these special puzzle or platforming challenge rooms uh, where a lot of times they're fairly simple, but as you get further in the game, you'll start to go to these like fairly elaborate platforming challenge uh, little mini levels. And in those, you can actually rotate the camera around and uh, it's necessary because there's a lot where you're you're running away from the camera and you can't judge how far you need to jump. So you need to turn the camera sideways so you can get a better idea of how to do that. These four being, you know, the platforming challenges in this game, there were some of these that took me many, many attempts. Uh, some of these were quite difficult. Yeah. Um, again, going back to the Sunshine reference, the Sunshine connection, the, mm -hmm. these bits reminded me of in Sunshine when you'd go into the, I'm sure they have a specific name, but like those specific, like almost pre-galaxy platforming sections, you know, where you'd have like Shadow Mario and he would like take your, he would take Flood and you'd have to do it you know, by yourself and everything, it, it sort of had that kind of influence to it where it's like, you know, let's kind of square everything off, give the character something, the player, something specific to do. And yeah, some of them were more puzzle oriented. Some of them were more platforming oriented. Some of them were even like momentum based, particularly mm -hmm. near the end. Yep. Um, there was one I remember particularly at the end where it was like those yellow sticky ball things and they were attached to a pole that would just kind of go up and down and you'd have to time your jump off of it to use the momentum to shoot yourself yep. over. And I had some issues with that because again, I feel like I just couldn't get the timing down. That could have been a skill issue on my it, part. It's kind of weird. The The timing and the momentum system is, um, it, it's not how it is today. We'll just say that pretty rudimentary. It doesn't feel like consistent. It feel, it felt like wonky for me at a couple times, but yeah, it was it was never to the point I never rage quitted or anything, so it wasn't that ridiculous. Yeah. But you kinda have to do those stages because they you get the the red crystals. Yep. And I believe you it's depending on where you are in the game, it's between three and five or six red crystals you need to open the, the trap door to go in to the fight the fight the boss. Right. So you are required to do some of them. And yeah. yeah, some of them early on are like very easy. And then They're just tiny puzzle rooms. Um, yeah. The, the tiny puzzle rooms continue, but they do ramp up like, actually, I don't know if the platforming challenges like get higher in number. They just took longer. Like there was some of them that took me like 20 minutes to get right because I just couldn't figure it out. There, there's one in the last stage that is essentially this giant platforming maze that has like all these different stories to it. And you have to like tilt the camera around multiple times. And there's like at least two different collectibles. Cause what you find in all of these puzzle platforming rooms, there are at least two collectibles in there. There's either, you know, there's usually a red jewel and then sometimes there'd be a sprightling in there. Sometimes there'd be a gold statue piece in there. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was like a combination of like the two of them essentially. So yeah. you were always rewarded for doing more than just like the bare minimum. But that like particular maze, I know that one took me a while because essentially to get everything, you have to traverse the entire maze. Mm -hmm. And, and there's like, yeah, like a part where you have to go up and there's, 
a lot of times it favors having like the 2D camera angle, but thankfully the like Wario's movement controls I thought were pretty solid overall. Yeah, it feels good. Yeah, so I never felt out of control when it came to Wario. It's not like some moments in say like Sunshine where it felt like I was just kind of winging it. Here, like Wario feels very grounded and very heavy. So when you're trying to like keep him steady on a very thin platform, you know, you never really had any trouble. The only other trouble I really had was when you would have to say launch him into the air or get mm-hmm. like kind of acrobatic with him is when things would get kind of iffy um, with his traversal. But again, it feels like that's intentional with the kind of more heavy set uh, Wario character. That's true. And, you know, it, there was a couple of these that gave me trouble, but it was really only like two or three of them that were really any challenge at all. The rest of them were fine. All of the little puzzle rooms were, there was one that gave me a little bit of trouble, but in like, I'm the type of person who I get frustrated at puzzles really easily. Uh, all of these were fine. Um, not yeah. really an issue there. So me and my little kid brain, we did fine with these. So you get those red crystals and that takes you in um, or lets you at the end of the level, go fight the boss. So this game has a lot of boss fights. Every level has uh, every level has a boss at the end. Each world has two levels, so there's two bosses and then a final boss. So there's four worlds. Four times three is twelve, and then there's a final final boss at the end. So a lot of boss fights. Uh, most of them follow, like you said, kind of a Mario, like very light, uh, puzzling out how to damage the boss type of thing. I would liken these to the bosses in Mario 64. You're trying to figure out how to do a butt bounce on their back most of the time um, or otherwise knock them down. And then when you do knock them down, you can pile drive them for some damage or you can throw them out of the arena, which is what I did most of the time because these reminded me of uh, fighting Bowser in Mario 64. Most of them have five hit points. So you just kind of rinse and repeat. They might get some new moves here and there. But you're doing this, do it five times, you'll beat the boss. Yeah, we talked about the designs earlier. I just want to, again, reiterate, they're really fucked up looking. There's one that is like a flying Medusa head with the child with the face of a child. Oh, yeah, and it has a little tiny body. Yeah, there is a weird uh, clown with two false faces that reveals its real face uh, when you hit it. That's really yep. messed up. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> there is a bodybuilder pig that does a bunch of like <laughs> yeah, I remember him. flexing he's and the, shit. He, he's the King Babam of this game. Yeah, exactly. Really great boss designs that makes them memorable. I don't let I beat this game like two weeks ago. I can't really remember the strategy or mechanics of any of these bosses. They're pretty simple, but what sticks out is those designs. Yeah, for me, basically all of them I employed the same strategy. There there are two exceptions, but like most of them were just like beat them up. Till they get dizzy where they have like the birds and then yeah. you pick them up, you pile drive them. And then, you know, you just kind of go from there. Yeah. Um, I, I did enjoy the, um, the, the circus boss where it was like, he had the, the giant ball 
different platforms and stuff. Yeah, and it went through that. I thought that was, it added an extra bit of challenge there because if you don't grab onto that, you can't hit them that round. Mm -hmm. So you just kind of have to deal and go back, which I I quite liked. But um, the two bosses that I think stick out because they operate a little bit differently, in fact, one of them is on the the back of the box, is you have like the two dragons. Yep. um, Which I believe is the final boss of World, is it the final boss of World 1? World one or two. Okay. Yeah. I, I really like that one because you can't employ your standard strategy. It's a completely fresh boss where the only really way to do damage to it is to have it attack itself, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they'll shoot fire out, and it's the fire that you use to you know hit them, but they can also shoot out a bunch of those yellow sticky balls. And if you are stuck to them, you know, then the other side will just like swallow you up and you'll take damage. Mm-hmm. So it, it implies it, it basically a, requires a lot more strategy than the other bosses um, have and kind of yeah puts you on your toes and has you kind of rethinking how you're supposed to fight these characters. But I think it's done really well. Yeah. And the other one I liked was the um, it was the final boss of World Four. Before the pirate. The final, yeah, the pirate. The pirate mm-hmm. was really good. Yeah, it was good. Because again, you can't just go up and beat him up. Like you, you kind of can. You can but, for the first couple of hits. After yeah, that, but, he'll he'll parry you. <laughs> yeah, and then he just starts like running away from you as well. So you can't even get close to him. And then you have to take like his cannonballs and then like throw them at him. But like you could either like get up to him and throw him right at him, or he's at the other side, and then you have to like catch one and then jump, like spring your way over in order to hit him. Mm-hmm. Um. Which, yeah, which definitely had a more acrobatic platforming vibe to it, which I really liked. Yeah, those that were, one those was are fun. The, yeah, those are the two bosses that stuck out to me because they didn't feel very rinse and repeat in the in how you beat them. You know, yeah. they had a little bit of originality there. Nothing incredible, but I think they were handled really well. But I got to say, the if you want to talk about it, the final boss I found to be incredibly disappointing. Yeah, um... Just real quick before we do, and it kind of leads into talking about the final boss, I just want to point out that I died often against the bosses because I had four hearts for the entire game. But like we said, uh, you basically have unlimited continues as long as you've been like not even trying to pick up coins. As long as you've been like not avoiding coins, you'll be fine. So yeah. Uh, the final boss, though, you do fight the black jewel at the end. It it turns into a, a flying black jewel jellyfish thing. And I agree it's disappointing because I think like what should have been phase one of the boss is the entire fight and you have to do it eight times. Yes. Yes. Oh, God. Like when I was playing it, I remember thinking to myself, this can't be it, right? Yeah. The whole time. <laughs> so basically the final boss is the 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 jewel with the weird tentacle legs takes you to this like circular just ether it, it reminds me of like like bayonetta like the end of bayonetta games where the final boss just takes you to just some like random ethereal kind of like place between dimensions and time or whatever uh-huh. that's what it felt like <laughs> and the only way to defeat the boss is um you have to break open the the little glass crystals that hold the spritelings and I think it's only like five. I think it's like five or six throughout it's, the I think circle. Yeah, it's like five or six. And once you break all of them free, like they will, 
when you break them out, they'll go fly and hit the boss and you have to do all of them. Then the boss will fall down. You can do the pile driver. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's interesting that you say you thought this can't be it. Cause I was uh, watching a YouTube video and apparently the Japanese version of this game, the boss does change. Oh, Um, really? It starts to like, you know, fly at you and try and like melee hit you instead of just doing the same two attacks over and over again for an eight, an eight health bar boss fight, but they cut it for the American version. That is really weird. I don't know why they did that. Super weird. Because the only attacks the boss has is it'll shoot those lasers and then if you get caught between the two of them, it'll either, yeah, like set them on fire or or it'll do the um the, the ring wave that you have to jump over, basically. Yeah. Those are the only two things. And if you figure out how, how it's really the most I used the shoulder dash was in the yeah. final boss because you so could use the shoulder. And you can use the shoulder dash to beat the lasers. Yep. So if you got the timing down, you never you could almost never get caught. And you could just breeze through that final boss like it was nothing. And I remember when I did the first four hits, I was expecting a change. Yeah. And nothing. And I was like, no new attack. Like, it's not going faster or anything. And so I kept doing more hits. And I'm like, expecting something. It never happened. Then when I beat it, I was like, okay, is this for like the second phase? Is it going to do the whole, oh, I'm not really dead? Blah, 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 blah. And then it's just playing the final cutscene. And like the credits start rolling and I just start laughing. I'm like, I can't believe the game is going to end on such a piss poor note. Because yeah. if I remember correctly, I, I beat Warrior Land 4 not that long ago. And I think the final boss, well, I think the bosses in that game were better overall. But I think the final boss definitely had more stakes to it than this. Mm-hmm. And it it's really a shame because it feels like this is like they got to the end of the project and they had to sort of, they had to do something because they probably had to meet a deadline. So it felt very standard generic kind of like boss material, which is, which is quite a shame. Yeah. It's real weird to me after seeing that there was a cut second phase of the boss, uh, real weird to me that that's how it ended up. Um, recommend going and going and just watching, um, I'll put a link down in the show notes for the channel that I watched. Um, and they show kind of the footage from the Japanese version where it's doing all sorts of other attacks that looks way more difficult. Um, all that being said, I was streaming this and I died in the final boss fight like eight times again, four hearts. Uh, so I had a lot of trouble with this and I actually ran out of coins and then I beat it on like the last chance, basically. It was like, okay, I got to play perfectly for the next two health bars. And I did. And it was a cool like, yeah, we did it. We beat the final boss in Wario World. Uh, you know, a little tamer version of the, uh, I just beat Orphan of Koss in Bloodborne in a really white knuckle <laughs> way. <laughs> not not to try to like one up you, but I, I barely took any hits during this boss. I didn't die once. Yeah, I and, got and stuck. I, I got stuck I took, between the lasers a lot. See, I, I figured out the shoulder dash and... And I figured out like where you could time it to where like it would start shoot like when he would start shooting, I would just like shoulder dash and just get right by it. Mm-hmm. And very rarely I mess that up. And I am prone with messing up timing. Awful. Like being consistent with that. And here <laughs> I, I I took hits. I took like maybe two or three. Weird, surprisingly enough. So even if I had four hearts, you know, I probably wouldn't have died from it. But yeah, 
I, I was having a hard time, but other, other than that, you know, I got it done. It's fine. You beat the final boss. Um, the Spritelings are freed and they say they're going to help rebuild your castle. And it kind of depends how many you save. That will determine how nice your new castle is. And yeah, I saw if you don't save, like if you save like a really low number of them, they'll build you a tent in the woods and that's all you get. Um, and if you get all of them, I imagine you get like this opulent golden castle, right? Indeed you do. It, yeah. It's very, it's just kind of like the Wario Land games where the, the different endings you get, depending on how much you collect throughout the game. Like I think it's the first Wario Land like you get a different castle depending on how much collectibles you get at the end of it. Like you can have like a tiny thing or just like a giant um, castle. Yeah. So it, it, it keeps with the, you know, warrior tradition in that way. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think this is as good a time as any to get into some final thoughts and uh, kind of wrap up on Wario world. So Thrak, do you have any kind of wrap up thoughts in summary, but also answer the question, who would you recommend this game to? Final thoughts. Let's see. Um, it's such a weird one, but in a way, it a weird one that's kind of the epitome of Nintendo's thinking during the GameCube era, mm-hmm. where maybe they were feeling they had to diversify their IP a little bit, um, especially because they were competing with you know the big boy in Sony and the newcomer in Microsoft, that they had to sort of step the game up a little bit. Because with the N64... You know, despite some, in my opinion, revisionist history, it didn't do that well compared to, say, the beast that was the Sony PlayStation. And I think Nintendo realized, oh, we have to do more with first-party IP because the third parties aren't just coming to us like they used to. And the GameCube is sort of the beginning of them, you know, going nuts with the first-party IPs and making new ones, expanding on the old ones. Like, I think the GameCube was Switch, maybe notwithstanding, like the the final Nintendo console where almost every major Nintendo IP got an entry on it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think... Like, was there any major Nintendo IP that missed the GameCube? I can't think of one. Not off the top of my head. Yeah, like, and they made a bunch of new ones like Pikmin and Chibi-Robo. Mm-hmm. So Warrior World is just kind of part of that. And I think it kind of gets lost in the, the, the grand scope of the first-party IPs for the GameCube. Um, but, f- but for what it is, I think it's, it is a solid, interesting entry in the Wario franchise. It's not the worst Wario game, not by a long shot, but it is a weird, quirky thing that happened. You know, It almost feels like it's meant for like YouTube videos where it's like, did you ever play this Nintendo game? Or yeah, it you, is a classic kind. for that, it, yeah. It, it sort of has that sort of... It, it was almost made to be forgotten. You know, it was made to be missed. <laughs> and I know it didn't sell that well. As far as I know, it sold maybe half a million copies at most. And that's being generous. But I think if you liked, say, the Wario Land games, if you're trying to, like, give Wario more of a fair crack of the whip with, like, you know, the WarioWare stuff, and you've probably heard about Wario Land, you know, it, it's worth a try. I don't think it's a necessarily awful game. They're, they're worse ways to spend a good four or five hours. Yeah. But if you're looking at, if you want to get into the Wario series, you know, if you're looking at that, that IP and you're trying to see like why old, old guys like us, you know, like the Wario stuff and want it to come back. If you're like, what's the big deal? 
I would say get Wario Land 4 for the Game Boy Advance. Um, maybe even, you know, the earlier Wario Land games on Game Boy and, and see that's where that, that's why, you know, people like me beg for another Wario Land game. Like, please, for the love of God, just do it. <laughs> but yeah, Wario World, it, it's fine. It's, it's not Treasure's best work, not by a long shot, but yeah, it, it was a fun little experience to have. And I do love the cover. Like yeah. it's one of it's probably one of my favorite like video game covers of all time because it perfectly encapsulates Wario. Uh-huh. Like he is just he is Scrooge McDuck. Exactly. But even yep. but even more but even more of a fucking prick. <laughs> but you can't help but love him. You know, there's something about his color coordination, his his chunky boy aesthetic, his green elf shoes, his weird pink nose. Like why is his nose pink? Is he sick? Uh-huh. Um he's that, an alcoholic. The, it probably. And then the drool, there's just something about Wario's aesthetic that is very un-Nintendo, but it kind of fits in with everything, you know? Yeah. And I think that's why people have latched on to him. So I, I'd say this game's probably somewhere in like the six, seven range, you know? That's where it, it like, it, it's competently made. It's not a miserable experience. It does what it does decently well, but... You know, if, if you're building up a GameCube collection, I don't know if this is one of the first ones you should go for. I mean, if you're building up a GameCube collection, you probably have more money than I do. But I, I would refrain from getting this one early. Like, maybe get it later down the road. Like, get Metroid Prime first, for Pete's sake. I think this is a good, like you said, like 7 out of 10 type game. Like the And like a good 7 out of 10, the type that, like, stands out from a forgettable seven out of 10, it might not be the best, you know, it's, it's not the best platformer. It's, you know, it's really combat centric and the combat itself is pretty simple. Um, and you know, fairly repetitive. If you can ever get tired of pile driving stuff, you will, cause you're going to do it a ton, but it does stick out in memory because of all the personality that it has from the music and Wario's moveset that, like we said, kind of brings those moves from Wario land into 3D. Um, and then also a couple of new things that you can do in this game. I, I do think that like, if someone wants to try a Wario game first, I'd probably direct them to Wario land three or four. Uh, Cause those, those actually have more going on in them than this game. They have, you know, transforming into all these different things to solve puzzles and uh, traverse and stuff like that. This game doesn't have any of that, but it's still a fun time, you know, and again, it's it's five, six hours long, uh, even if you want to 100% it, still pretty short. So it's a pretty easy recommendation if you like the sound of anything that we've been talking about, you know, find a way to play it. You know, if you're going to buy it physical, God bless you. Uh, but it's also easily available through other avenues. And uh, it's it's definitely not, you know, it's not something where I feel like you'd come away being like, wow, that, that certainly left no impression at all. It's not that kind of game. So definitely a fairly easy recommendation. Yeah. Like there is, in my opinion, there is one Wario game that is forgettable, mm-hmm. um, which I think is the worst thing a Wario game could be. But yeah, yeah. If, 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 if you can get dolphin running on your computer, then Wario world is easily one of the games you should pop into that. Yeah. Give it, give um, it a spin. Yeah. Especially for the price. Yeah. Um, because I was thinking there might be an alternate universe where it was Wario World that kept going and Luigi's Mansion was thrown to the side. Mm. You know, because I was just thinking this and that 
maybe Warrior World exists because of Luigi's Mansion. Because Luigi's Mansion happened, you know, it's like giving a Mario character its own game. And, I mean, I'm not sure the reception Luigi's Mansion had at the time, but... I think it was good. Like, quite good. Yeah, because I have a fondness for that game. Like, even though I was led for years that that game was bad, um, the people who told me that were wrong. Um, (laughs) But it almost feels like because of the Luigi's Mansion thing, they're like, you know, let's try it with Wario. He's already an established character. You know, let's see what a 3D game will do for him. And it didn't click nearly the same way. So, you know, maybe in a a weird alternate universe, this is the one that kind of blew up and Luigi's Mansion became the the forgotten game. Yeah, that Um, kind of weird experimental one-off thing that they did. uh, Whereas this is, you know, a fairly traditional platform where you're just fighting a bunch of stuff more than doing platform stuff. So, yeah, you know, like it's hard to think of Luigi's Mansion as experimental. But it really is. You oh, know? I mean, back then, yeah, it was like, yeah. what are you doing? You're you're doing Ghost, Ghostbuster shit? Nintendo making a Resident Evil game? Yeah, exactly. Because so. it is. It's just Resident Evil 1, but with Luigi. <laughs> it's the exact same setup. I never played Luigi's Mansion outside of playing it at the demo kiosks at, um, at Walmart. The ones where you had to angle your head up at an unnatural angle to see those TV screens way yeah. the fuck up there. Oh, oh yeah, I remember those days. You've never yep. played Luigi's Mansion one? No, nope. I've never played any of them. What? Yeah, never. Oh, <laughs> all right, we're making a pact now. <laughs> so when you when you play Luigi's Mansion one for the GameCube for this show, because I'm sure you will at some point. At some point, I'll come back. <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll talk about Luigi's Mansion because okay. I do have a fondness for that game. I own all three. Um, I think Luigi's Mansion 3 is one of the best games on the Switch, bar none. Like, that's like a top five Switch game. Nice. And Luigi's Mansion 1 is such an interesting experience to have even today. Um, it, it, it definitely has a lot of that charm and quirk that the GameCube, the GameCube quirk, as I would like to say. Yep. Luigi's Mansion is, is full of it. But it, 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 it holds up really well. Like, way better than you'd expect. But that's for another time. Another time. And there will be another time, because this has been a good time. I appreciate you coming on. Before we get into kind of housekeeping and sign-offs, I do want to give the floor to you one more time to plug the 3DO experience, tell people where they can find it. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. It's been a, it's been a lot of fun chatting chatting with uh, Nintendo's favorite yellow boy. Um <laughs> So, so yeah, I am the co-host of the show called The 3DO Experience, where the goal of the show is to bring more awareness to the 3DO, the, the system, the company, because they became a third-party company later, and sort of tackle an obscure console and give it um, some fresh light, which I think mm-hmm. is fun to do, because these days, like, retro gaming has become such a big conglomerate, but it's so, like, Nintendo-washed. Where it's like everybody talks about Nintendo and then, you know, there's also Sega and Sony. You know, the big four, as I like to say, Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, Sega, the big four. But yet beyond that, I mean, you have Atari, but a lot of people know Atari as like a name, but not really their history. But beyond that, you have like all these obscure consoles and these like much less lesser known things that didn't get that don't have that same kind of um, perception. But like Mm -hmm. if you know, you know. And the 3DO does have like a cult fan base and hopefully they, they, they appreciate what we're doing. I don't know yet, but, um, (laughs) 
but it, it it's fun to talk about this, you know, just like random console that nobody ever really talks about because it, it gives you sort of a fresh slate to sort of try to appreciate this stuff. Like we yeah. just recently did an episode on the one launch title, Crash and Burn, and trying to find any information about that game online is very difficult. Very, very difficult. So that that's kind of like how deep we're digging. But of course, the 3DO has some more notable stuff. Like it has Gex, of course. and uh, Of course. <laughs> yeah, port, Ports of Wolfenstein and Doom. You know, it does have some notable franchises on it. Mm-hmm. But it is quite the interesting little console to dive into. So hopefully more people check it out because it, it's going to be fun. And we'll, we'll bring up other stuff as well. Like as I've mentioned, I'm a Sega guy, so I'll probably bring up Sega because also the Saturn was around the same time, which is another notable failure mm-hmm. <laughs> despite my love for it. Yeah. I love the Saturn to death. But um, but yeah, outside of that, um, you can find me in the Tales of the Backlog Discord. That's right. Kind of lurking in there. Um, I'm at Thrack94 on Twitter. I've also made appearances on uh, a novel console, which yep. I know Chris has been on here. Uh-huh. Good friend, friend of ours. Of the show, yeah. Oh yeah, he's great. Um, I'm I'm an honorary member of that show, so I keep uh-huh. popping I keep popping in all the time. But yeah, outside of that, that's everything I'm kind of doing at the moment. I I have. A couple other ideas in the works, but nothing too definitive that I want to get out there. But other than that, I just kind of lurk around and just kind of do random shit. So if you want to yell at me on Twitter, or now it's x.com, you know, it, it, it's a porn site now. Sorry. Uh, yeah, by the time this episode <laughs> comes out, who we'll see if they stuck with that. This might be a little time capsule of an episode here. Yeah. Mentioning that. I, I will say, you know, it's bad when Sesame Street is dunking on you. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> there, there are some really funny Sesame Street tweets about this, which is great. Like, like the Big Bird's official Twitter account said, "I can still tweet. Look at me, I'm a bird." <laughs> Hell yeah! So, Big yeah, Bird so, throwing shade. I approve. Oh, yeah. He's a tall man. He, he's a tall bird, so he can throw shade everywhere. That's right. Um, yeah, 3DO experience. You'll find links down in the show notes for uh, the show, and then also the Twitter account. And uh, yeah, I really recommend checking that out if you're interested in, like we said, digging into um, an overlooked era of video game history, uh, something that I kind of, you know, I I have a pretty surface level knowledge of video game history and like the the amount of consoles that came out kind of up through like the mid 90s before everything consolidated is wild. And the 3DO is one of those. uh, So I'm going to be tuning in to learn something about Uh, that console. So check down in the show notes for links uh, for that podcast. Highly recommended. As far as Tales from the Backlog goes, the best way to support the show is to uh, leave a rating and review and tell a friend. All of that is super helpful uh, for helping other people find the show. Otherwise, if you want to support monetarily, you can do so at patreon.com slash real Dave Jackson. Again, this game was the winner of a poll and I do monthly polls for games to appear on the show. It's available for all patrons starting at $2 per month. $5 per month will get you my monthly retro gaming show, Tales from the Way Backlog. And September's game is Mega Man 2. So if you want to come and hear me talk about my experience playing Mega Man 2 for the first time, uh, $5 per month on Patreon. So uh, other than that, Thrack already mentioned the Discord server. The Discord server is a lively place. We have a lot of wonderful people in there. Um, I highly encourage people to come join. There's an invite link down in the show notes as well. 
So with that being said, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you Thrak one more time for coming on and talking about Wario World. I appreciate you. Oh, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. And hopefully we'll come back and maybe talk about a game that has a little bit more depth to it. Maybe we should do Persona. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Don't wish a Persona (laughs) playtime on me, please. (laughs) We'll we'll do something lighter. For someone who needs to beat three games per month minimum, a Persona game is a tall task right now. So anyway, thank you again. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Tune in next week for the next game to come out of the backlog. Bye-bye. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.